Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Talking CFD with Robin Knowles. It's kind of like my show, but for CFD nerds, prepare to ignite. Hey there, podcast friend. Welcome to another episode of Talking CFD, the podcast that's more about growing a business than growing a boundary layer. In the course of this season of episodes, I've bemoaned the fact that not much has changed in our industry over a prolonged period, but I've also waxed lyrical about some of the exciting things that are happening in our space. I guess I can't have it both ways, but I think you probably get my meaning. There is a lot of innovation going on, but if it doesn't touch you directly, then you can easily miss it. If you've got a finely tuned CFD workflow, then it's easy to skip stuff that doesn't fit into that process and think that innovation's lacking from the space as a whole. That's me too, day to day, but doing this podcast forces me to pay attention and seek out companies that are doing something different. In today's episode, that's state-of-the-art CFD with no manual intervention type different, courtesy of Adaptive Simulations and their first product, Ingrid Cloud. The paint was still wet on Ingrid Cloud when we recorded this episode, and you're excused if the name doesn't ring a bell, but we've got two of the founding team here to tell us more. CEO Sebastian Desson and technical expert Johan Hoffman. I'll let Sebastian bring us up to speed on the story of Adaptive Simulations and Ingrid Cloud so far. Yeah, so Adaptive Simulations is a spin-out from research conducted at KTH, Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm. And we just launched the product Ingrid Cloud, uh, fully automated high-fidelity CFD simulations. So you guys are making an application based around some technology that you guys have developed over a number of years. Is that correct? Yeah, so um, the core the core is... Uh, I, I come from mathematics originally, so uh, this is a, it's a methodology for, for solving uh, the Navier-Stokes equations, basically. And when, when we pioneered the approach, it was kind of, um, it stood out um, because we used finite elements instead of finite volumes, which is the industry standard typically. And um, we also based uh, the whole uh, approach on adaptive uh, mesh uh, refinement so so this uh was quite early so uh, at that point you you had adaptive methods but for much simpler problems and what we did was to take that to uh to fluid dynamics to turbulent flow and to industry relevant uh, situations so you guys have brought that out of the R&D department in the university and taken it to market via Ingrid Cloud that you just mentioned, a sort of a cloud-based um, version of that software. Is that right? Yeah. So it, it, is, so it started out with um, adaptive mesh technology, and then we combined it with high-performance computing. So it's, it runs efficiently on, on the most powerful supercomputing platforms. And... Um, this, of course, increases the complexity because you need expertise in mathematical modeling, numerical methods, fluid dynamics, high-performance computing. And uh, what, we, uh, what we have done with the company is, is to, to offer that complex framework uh, as, as a service. So you, uh, we make that uh, complex technology and powerful technology available as, through a simple cloud service. And is there a particular industry that you're targeting or is it is it a general purpose CFD methodology? Can it be applied to anything or is it, does it have particular value to a particular industry? I can leave that to, to Sebastian. I can just say that the, the, um, uh, the fundamental methodology is, 
is actually even more general than CFD even. So it, it, okay. it's a framework for partial differential equations, which makes uh, the expansion to, to multiphysics quite... Um, it's, it's prepared for problems like fluid structure interaction and uh, computational error acoustics and, and similar. So you just chose the easy bit first, just do CFD first. <laughs> exactly. We, 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 took, we took the most complex area first and... and Let's see how, how, how we can show the market that we, we our competitive advantage is huge there and then we'll take the rest, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So no particular target market in mind? I, I mean, like Yuan says, we, we have the capability to, to expand on, on any kind of market or industries, but we, we, we have chosen a, a couple of um, segments, industry segments in the beginning to focus on. And that's mostly for, you know, we're a quite small company still, and we need to focus our resources uh, on some areas, Absolutely. right? So it's about just making a choice. And right now we've made the choice to uh, focus on the automotive industry and as well as the architectural and structural engineering industry um, as, as the first uh, focus industries. Uh, so we are building uh, applications for these two segments as, as we speak. Uh, but of course... Um, I mean, as we see, we see the aerospace industry. Uh, we see a lot of other other industries coming, uh, being interesting, and which we will focus on further on. Do you see Ingrid Cloud being a kind of portal to to access the the CFD tools that you guys have got, or is it going to be that you guys build kind of vertical applications for for particular niches like automotive or um, the architectural niche, like you mentioned? I would say that our plan is to build these uh, vertical uh, applications or these uh, targeting these niche uh, industries uh, because part of our strategy is to uh, make uh, CFT something complex really easy, right? And to do that, we really need to understand the customer needs. Uh, I mean, and the, these needs, they differ uh, a lot from uh, dif- from industry to industry. So, it's not just part of the 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 looking at the techno- technology and, and to uh, build an application. It's about understanding how they want their reports, how they want the results presented, uh, what kind of parameters are, are important for, for these kind of users. So it's about really, really understanding the, the industry that we're targeting. Uh, so that's why we, we choose these verticals and we, 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 we plan to take one vertical at a time instead of being general by not targeting anyone specific you were, were not targeting anyone at all i think quite a few of the people who are listening um, might be interested to hear about the sort of transition from a sort of university r&d group into a company into a startup uh, because i can imagine that quite a few of the people listening may be in that university position perhaps they're doing their phd perhaps they've come up with a bit of um, novel innovation or a bit of ip or a bit of tech or something along those lines the the sort of the story of how it came about that you got into starting a startup um, particularly in this space and and sort of that that journey although you're still fairly at the start of it i think it would be quite interesting for people to hear about how that 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 took place i mean how how did it start what did the decision making look like when you decided to go from uh, r&d into a into a company i'd, I'd say that the driving force was uh, a phd student of mine who is now also one of the founders uh, rodrigo villela he saw uh, that when we uh, we participated with this technology in in various 
benchmark workshops uh, around the world, uh, we did quite well compared to state-of-the-art methods and, and established techniques. And he had worked as a consultant before, and he so he has sort of that mindset. So he was an initiative, uh, certainly. And then uh, we, we sort of followed the innovation support system very much, both in, in Sweden and, and on European level. So we have applied it through... Um, we got some support locally at KTH, the university, and then we applied for funding in various steps at the Swedish Innovation Agency. We first got some, some funds for doing a, a market research, a feasibility study, and then we have received a further funding for developing prototypes and also through that system. And uh, we also got that on European level. So we were funded by the European Research Council, got one of these proof of concept grants, which uh, was a follow-up to, um, to a European uh, Research Council grant. So um, in some, some, sense, some sense, we have gone by the book in terms of the innovation system has sort of worked for us. And maybe Sebastian can describe more when we... When we uh, got uh, some external seed funds. Uh. Yeah, so, I mean, we founded the company two years ago, uh, which was uh, a natural step. Uh, after I got into the company, we, the researchers and I were, were the founders of the company, and we uh, started the process uh, towards uh, commercializing and getting the product out on the market. And since it's quite a complex technology, which uh, is in the platform, but really needs to be made easy and that is a huge challenge to take something really really complex and make it easy uh so it's a i mean the the three years seems like a uh, an instant it's it, the uh, considering the the normally when you when you develop product and and you really want to get it out on market as fast as possible but this uh has taken a lot of time so it's been you know, hard work for three years and um, we, um, like Johan said, we uh, received some seed funding last year from uh, from two European uh, VC companies, which was good. So we uh, that enabled us to strengthen the team to uh, uh, to uh, finalize the product development and, and to uh, to launch on the market. So now it's in contact with with users. Do you think that development process is going to speed up rapidly? I mean, we've been close contact with with customers and, and users. Since we founded the company, we had pilot customers, uh, you know, big, big lighthouse uh, pilot customers that's really important because they have, you know, a, a lot of knowledge and high demands. Uh, so that has helped us to, to build uh, a, a good product. Um, now that we are have launched and, and we get uh, users uh, registering and, and trying out the service, uh, we will learn a lot of other, th- other things uh, that we we didn't learn during the pilot projects, so it's really interesting times. Uh, we will see how they uh, react to the the web interface in a totally different manner. You you know, going from from a few initiated pilot customers and, and knowledgeable pilot customers to uh, a, a you know a large number of users with various uh, experience and, and you know background uh, and needs. So. Uh, it will produce a lot of data, which is interesting, and hopefully will uh, make us 
build an even better product and and, and refine it uh, so that we you know can meet our our end end goal or, or mission so to speak in our initial discussions you guys mentioned um how you relate to to industry 4.0 or the the fourth industrial revolution or how, whatever they want to call it these days what if you could just give us a bit of an idea for those who aren't too familiar with it what industry 4.0 is and where you guys see yourselves fitting within that so, I mean, Industry 4.0, for me, it's quite a general term. Uh, it's about uh, how you can design, uh, produce, uh, distribute your products smarter with the help of technology, basically. I mean, which is actually nothing new. I mean, that's something which industry has been doing for for ever, basically, you know, taking advantage of, of, of technology. My interpretation of it is, 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 you know, like the, the book Second Machine Age, where, where you talk about the, the possibilities of using computational power and, and, uh, and data in a totally different manner. So it's just about, you know, aggregating all of these possibilities and seeing that the, the totality of it can be called 4.0. Aggregated or not, it's still the specific uh, things within Industry 4.0 that you can do and that, that, that actually... Uh, creates value for for an industry if it's regardless of if it's in the design phase or production phase or whatever it is uh, if you, you need to get to the specifics and, and that's what really important regardless of what you call it i hear a lot about things like the internet of things and digital twins and things like there's a lot of buzzwords around a, a lot of these concepts um where do you guys think you particularly fit in or what what are the applications of what what are the implications of, of industry 4.0 for CFD, perhaps in the broader sense, and then and then maybe for you guys? So in what buzzword do we fit in, right? <laughs> no, but, but seriously, I, I think that, I, I mean, actually, I mean, I read a, an interesting study done by McKinsey on industry 4.0. It's in a general you know, overview, but it, it sort of highlighted benefits of rapid experimentation and simulation. Uh, and it showed that, I mean, obviously, it's it's uh, it's a huge difference from from one industry to another and one company to another and so on. But if you introduce simulations early in the design process, you're able to cut down the total runtime and ultimately you will shorten time to market, uh, which will potentially be a huge competitive advantage and a financial lever. But of course, it all depends on you know what kind of product design cycles do you have, how much impact does uh, simulation actually have on the design uh, of the product? Uh, so for CFD in specific, specifically, it all depends on how much uh, flow simulations will, will affect the product. So if you look at, for instance, the automotive industry and the aerospace industry with quite long, especially our aerospace industry with quite long design cycle times, if you can shorten that, you know, be a huge financial lever, obviously. Uh, but then also, I mean, an interesting company is Dyson, which, I mean, they uh, their excellence and competitive advantages, advantages actually, I would say, mainly due to their excellence in within fluid dynamics. Designing these uh, ultra-silence devices, the hairdryer and the air conditioning and the vacuum cleaner i mean it's it's a it's really impressive work that they do uh, with with within the fluid dynamic simulations do you think that 
the current crop of, or let's, let's maybe not say current crop because that includes you guys, but um, some of the legacy type CFD codes, are they well positioned to to sort of take advantage of, of this change in in use that, that might come about with Industry 4.0? Are, are they well positioned for, for more people to, to be able to use it or to shorten design cycles? It, it seems like maybe they aren't. I don't know if you would agree with that. I, I think... Um uh, one important thing is what Sebastian mentioned about moving the simulation tools upstream in the design cycle. So initially, we the adaptive um, algorithms uh, that was at the core of what we did, and also um, a, a parameter-free sort of approach to, to turbulence modeling. It uh, the benefits was uh, an efficient method. But the more we have moved towards uh, an automated service, it's um, their main strength uh, is probably that that they uh, need less manual interventions, so generating the mesh and optimizing the computation and so forth. I think I think what 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 our technology offers is is uh, simplicity of a very complex process uh, of CFD simulation. And I I'm not sure that. Uh, today's state-of-the-art software all can easily adapt to make the tools and the technology available to non-CFD experts in that way. On a similar but related note, would it be also difficult for experts with existing CFD tools to take advantage of your tools, for example? Is it does it deliver more value to to people who are new to CFD than it would perhaps to, to somebody who's very set in their ways and this is their workflow and, and that sort of thing? I, I think that, I mean, regardless of what experience you have, obviously our tool make you know uh, enables people without experience to actually perform CFD simulations, which is one thing. But the other thing is that, I mean, regardless of how much experience you have, uh, you you want to cut down the total runtime of, of the, the simulation work. And, and what we do is that we uh, we eliminate all manual work uh, with a simulation, uh, meaning that that you can you know go from, let's say, one or two weeks, uh, depending on the complexity, of course, of the simulation in, in total runtime and, and including a lot of manual work, to uh, one, one or two days uh, without any investing any manual work so and that of course should be uh really attractive to uh, an expert cft engineer as well uh to you know obviously they will always have uh, some you know specific cases where they need to put in they need to set specific parameters and they need to work and uh, you know do a lot of manual time but if they can take you know 20 or 30 or percent of their simulations they're uh, uh that they do a lot or their recurring simulation that takes time but that you know that they uh, they could do with our service that would free their time to put on the to to and they could invest that time into analyzing the results instead of doing uh, pre-processing and post-processing and and doing mesh refinement uh, and so on and, and so so that's that would be a huge um, benefit for for uh, CFD expert as well 
So do you think that that is the direction of travel of the of the CFD market at the moment? Is that where everybody's trying to head to try and make it as easy as possible and kind of move up the, the stack towards designers and perhaps away from experts? I don't think necessarily away from experts. I think there always will be room for experts. And I actually think that the need of experts will actually increase. Interesting. The more easy and accessible you make CFD, the more uh, demand there will be for CFD. That's my, that's my, my belief. I think that let's say that you a big company they have their own CFT department, uh, uh, CFT software. So let's say that they want to uh, move simulations upstream or let have uh, see, uh, design engineers to do uh, quite fast simulations uh, uh, early in the design process. So they use our uh, software to do that. Uh, they may have a customized application for for a specific need, so they can do that. So. Uh, when they do, when they start doing simulations and, and do the um, make the design process simulation driven, the CFT department will be become even more important because that that's part of the that becomes the heart of the the uh, the process of the design process to actually use simulations as as one of the most important tools. So incre- the, it increases the need of that, uh, and instead of of replacing, you know, there will always be a lot of complex simulations that that needs to be handled by these experts and um but but if you can take uh, some of the the, the 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 simulations and do it do them autom- automatically uh, uh you know push forward doing the design process with the help of them uh, and then of course you need the help of of safety engineers to actually uh, educate the design engineers when it comes to how to interpret the results and so on so yeah. I think you're the, the second guys to sort of suggest that don't worry CFD experts listening to the podcast you're not out of a job j- just yet it just might be a slightly different job in a few years time a more exciting one I think <laughs> exactly I mean you guys are fairly early on in your in your journey as a, as a company what's next for adaptive simulations and Ingrid Cloud and what areas are you going to focus your development on? What what are you going to push into next? Right now, the focus will be um, on the market side uh, to, since we just launched, obviously, to explain the benefits of Ingrid Cloud to our potential customers. But of course, we will continue to develop the product. I mean, <laughs> to, to go where no one has gone before, basically with product. And I think that on short term, that means adding more applications and features to Ingrid Cloud. Uh, on medium term, it would be to, to add design optimization. And on long term, you know, to add capability for, for computational design, to add the, the, the part of the, the process which is uh, performed by, by the computer and to uh, free even more time for, for both the safety engineers and design engineers. Uh, and to be able to make even better products. Uh, so those are the, the, you know, when it comes to product development, um, we, we think that, that on, on long-term, uh, computers will have an even bigger part of the design, uh, obviously, and, 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 and the simulations with guidance from humans. And, and to do this, uh, I think that the automation of, of CFT simulations is an important cornerstone for that development. As things transition away from the hands of the CFD experts to become more kind of algorithmically driven and um, more aspects are done automatically by by the computers, do you see a role for AI or deep learning or machine learning or, again, whichever flavor you want to use in, in CFD? It doesn't seem to get mentioned a lot at the moment, but it, it seems like it's perhaps not too far away. 
it's uh, I, I've seen it show up in, in research in various contexts. Um, for example, uh, uh, involving machine learning or, or deep learning in uh, in choosing turbulence models um, and that that kind of modeling context. But I think I think if from our perspective, uh, there there is a connection to design optimization and also. Um, to take advantage of, of the data which which is generated in, in new ways that we may be hard to appreciate today. Oh, right. Interesting. Do you think the cloud computing aspect has, has an impact on that with people's data being held in a, in a location that it makes it easier to use it for, for training data sets and that sort of thing? Yes. So th- this is something we, we work a lot with as well, of how to, because that's the, that's the output to, to the user. So, um, to either do um, how to process the data and to minimize the movement of data and still uh, uh, obtain the maximal amount of, of information from, from the data. So this is something uh, data and, and exploration and visualization is, is something which is we are prioritizing quite hard. Once upon a time, and this isn't that long ago, it was clever and sufficient almost to be doing CFD in the cloud. That was the clever bit. Now that seems to almost in some circumstances be taken for granted. That's something that we do and you're, you're innovating on, on other levels with innovation in, in all new areas, which I think is is exciting and we haven't seen a lot of in the industry for a while, I would possibly contend. I don't know if you necessarily agree with that. Yeah, I think I think so. So I can be a, a bit uh, provocative by, by saying that that many of the state-of-the-art software actually has, you know, the, the technological platform they, they chose, uh, which was uh, really uh, made sense when they did it, because you know, in the in the 80s, when when the supercomputers had the power of an iPhone 4, uh, it made sense to choose that that path. Uh, but that path has become a cul-de-sac, uh, which doesn't lead them anywhere. Uh, which is actually is quite interesting when if you look at the market dynamics as well, uh, what's happening on the market with the the acquisitions of companies, um, and and that leads to some question marks with regards to what what is the strategy of the the uh, Siemens and Dassault, for example, when they acquire these companies with with uh, technology that is questionable if if they if they have the the um, capability necessary for for the for the future if i put it that way the strategy seems to either not be played out or be a little opaque from the out well at best from the outside but yeah interesting to see how some of those acquisitions play out because from my point of view they they don't make a lot of sense at the moment maybe they will soon but uh, at the moment uh, yeah i mean it seems that i mean what it could the driver could either would be that they need to increase efficiency but that doesn't seem to to be the the main driver it seems to be a race for you know some sort of strategic advantage of having all all tools for PLM design and simulation integrated in, into in, into one offering. But the problem with that is that if you don't solve the uh, the democratization problem and and make it easy to use the CFT software, it doesn't matter if you have it in your in your portfolio, it's still different users who will use it. Um, and sure, I mean it will seem to be quite you know, attractive from a purchasing department point of view, but uh, 
still it's it's questionable strategy from my point of view but i guess i mean there's there's just so much i mean there's been a lack of new technology on the cft market so i guess that um, they t- they take what's what's out there <laughs> basically on a kind of related note to that, I mean, you guys, it sounds like KTH are fairly switched on with regard to making use of some of the innovation that's um, that's within their, their borders, if you like. But do you think that there is the CFD innovation going along, but it gets trapped in universities and things like that, can't get out? Or has it just stagnated a little bit? Uh, it's, it, it's hard. It's... Um... I guess it could be a little bit uh, of both. On, on, on the research side, uh, it's, it seems like one, one direction is to, to fully rely on the, on the increased access to computing power yeah. to raise for numerical simulation. Um, but that, uh, that looks, seems to be far in the future, even as, uh, as, as the supercomputing, uh, capabilities is increasing as much as it, as it does um, and the, and the alternatives are are various combinations of, of uh, uh, RANS modeling and and, uh, and large set simulation where where you try to parameterize uh, features that you cannot resolve fully so I, I haven't seen anything that that is comp- completely different uh, a, a new approach that 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 sort of bypasses this problem the problem with the parameterization is of course what what should the parameters be and then how do you move from one set of problems to a new set of problems there's been a bit of a theme within some of the podcasts this season that the difficulty of the problem is what keeps a lot of the people who are involved in it interested it's a slog. That's why people have been involved in it for 25, 30, 40 years. But uh, it certainly seems to be an, an interesting time at the moment. And you guys seem to be part of that. I'll certainly be watching to see how it goes. But if somebody has been listening to this and they're interested to find out a bit more about Ingrid Cloud and a bit more about some of your methods and, and, and the, some of the innovation that you guys have been doing, what's kind of the next step? What should they do now once they put their phone down? I would say that they should visit our website, uh, ingridcloud.com, and there they can register for a free account uh, that in- actually includes uh, a tryout simulation, so they can you know try out our service and see what it's all about. Uh, on the website, you can read more about the uh, underlying research and technology. Uh, uh, since you know, we do not base our technology on open foam, which uh, seems to be the case for for absolutely everybody. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which we do not. So, so we have our, our unique technology. So that might be interesting for 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 some of the more initiated uh, listeners. Uh, but yeah, but uh, go to our website, try try the service, and, and uh, let us know what you think. And if uh, if people listening are interested in in connecting with you guys, is LinkedIn a good place to find you? Perfect for me. Yes, that uh, that works. Absolutely. Excellent. I want to thank you very much for coming on today, guys. I really appreciate you taking the time um, and giving us a bit of an insight into a new area, something innovative that's going on in our space. Thank you. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you. Thanks, guys.